Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. Well, coming out of the bye week, we had a lot of questions about how the Edmonton Oilers would start this game. Turns out we should have been more concerned about how they played after the first seven or eight minutes. The Oilers scored first in this one, just 4-0-1 in. Patrick Maroon got his 19th of the season. Chicago dominating the rest of the way. They run away and hide tonight. 5-1 the final. They're better 5-on-5. They're better special teams going 2-for-2 on the power play. The Oilers' offense continues to run dry. They now just have two goals in their last 268 minutes of action. That obviously doesn't include the Dreisaitl shootout winner against the Montreal Canadiens last Sunday. So the Oilers have lost four of their last five. The 5-1 decision tonight, the Oilers equaling the uh, Oilers' most lopsided defeat of the year. They lost by four goals, 6-2 to Buffalo back on October 16th. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630 6.30, and uh, Rob, I, I mean, look, the Oilers, it's funny, they're 10th overall in the standings, and with a few exceptions, you can look and say, yep, they've been pretty good against all the teams beneath them, and they, they haven't been nearly as good against some of the teams above them. Minnesota certainly uh, comes to mind. Uh, you know, I know they beat San Jose last time, but San Jose also really outplayed them a couple of times, and uh, this game, there was, at least to me, no doubt who the better team was. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's teams that at the beginning of the season you've you've got written down, okay, these guys are the, the, the contenders to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, it has been for a number of years that the Blackhawks are, are one of those ones that, you know, it's on a very, very short list, and there's reasons why. They're, they're very well coached. they got excellent goaltending, and their core group is, is sensational, and the Kane and the Taves and the, the Keith and the Seabrook, and now you're adding in a Panera, and, and you still got Hosa. It's a good hockey club, and it was a step up today for the Edmonton Oilers. And we saw when they came out of the All-Star break after having a bit of a, a stretch of, of rest and relaxation, they did not come out and play well against Minnesota. And tonight it's the same thing. They, their execution wasn't good. Their attention to detail. The, there was miscommunications, taking the wrong guy in their own zone. You can get away with that against certain teams in the National Hockey League. You cannot get away with it against the best teams. And the Chicago Blackhawks are one of the best teams in the NHL. And it was a wake-up call for, for the Edmonton Oilers to see Chicago is where they want to get to, and they're not quite there yet. Let's go downstairs, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices, and here's the head coach, Todd McClellan. What do you think happened after that? Well, there's going to be a lot of talk about the uh, the break and what it did and didn't do to our team. And, and um, you know, one thing, we anticipate a little bit of rust as far as passing goes and maybe timing and and maybe finding our legs. And, and I think that existed a little bit in the game, but that doesn't uh, account for structure, systematic play. That didn't change over the break. And it certainly doesn't account for uh, uh, blue paint play or paint in and around our net and, and their net, they were certainly much, much hungrier than we were in that area. And I don't know uh, where the emotional part of it comes into the break. Um, we didn't have a lot of emotion. There wasn't a single Blackhawk that was mad at an Oiler the whole night until the last two minutes. And uh, that's the kind of game that favored them and uh, certainly hurt us. So I was disappointed obviously disappointed in the loss and the, the power play penalty kill all that type of stuff but disappointed in the emotional level of our team and um, you know do we chalk that up to the the break and and not understanding how hard it was to play again and how much emotion you have to have or were we just not in it um, 
I guess we'll never know, but it's something we need to fix. The team seems to play better when you're playing every second day and when you should be tired and you're sucking it up and you play the games and stuff. And then well, because I think you're, you're in it. You're in it. You're emotional. You never get out of it. You, uh, you're charged up because you won. You're charged up because you lost. Um, you know, you're not planning a flight to Hawaii, and then the next week you're going to Disneyland in the middle of the season. It makes no sense. Um, and yet, with that being said, there's 29 other teams that are going to go through it, and uh, there's going to be some teams that do a really good job of managing it, and some other teams that don't. And we have to get going again so that we're not one of the teams that don't. Doug, you went into the All-Star break, you had 15 goals in three games. You come out, now you've had four in, in five games. I don't think there's a big switch suddenly, but what have you not seen from your offensive guys in the last five games? Well, power play's been, in my opinion, nowhere near where it needs to be. Um, you know, the execution and the intensity there, we may have to shuffle some things around. And then our net play, like a number of times we, we shot the puck from the blue line today and there was nobody around it, nobody near it. Uh, the lack of intensity there, you just have to look at the goals they scored. And if you're, if you're in a slump or you're not scoring, um, just pull up those highlights. Get to the paint, walk away. Good things will happen. Well, there's Todd McClellan commenting on the team's lack of offense, and that's a huge story over the last five games. Tonight, the Oilers drubbed by the Chicago Blackhawks 5-1 here at Rogers Place. It's the start of a three-game homestand. They'll host Arizona on Tuesday along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, we criticized the, the power play there and, and also, uh, you know, also the net play. Now, I also think that's a product of Okay, Chicago's up 3-4-1. You always call it the house. They're just collapsing to the house. They're, yep. they're not giving up anything easy at that point as well. No, they are, but I think that's one thing that we have seen, not just this season, but in seasons past with, with the Oilers, that they at times get to become a, a perimeter player, a perimeter team. Uh, one of the things that they win in the offseason and acquired or during last year is bigger, stronger players that like going to the blue paint. Uh, that's where you score in the National Hockey League. The Oilers, when they struggle to score goals, it's usually because they're they're outside the blue paint. They're they're trying to score from the perimeter. You always talk about you know Nugent Hopkins, who he loves the the 30 foot snapshot that always looks good but doesn't seem to quite get in. You just don't score against goalies in the National Hockey League from far out very often. They're they're just too good. Uh, so yeah, the the the. The net play wasn't there today, and I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks just picked it up a gear in the second period, and the Oilers weren't ready for it. And it's just another lesson of where the Oilers need to get if they want to compete when it comes playoff time, and they're just not quite there yet. The Chicago Blackhawks are a good hockey club, and, and when pushed, they know how to, to push back. They know how to get things done. Their best players came to play tonight, and their best players were better than the Oilers' best players, and that's why the game was won by the Chicago Blackhawks. Late in the game, Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets in his uh, second career fight, taking on Vinny Inostroza. I mean, I didn't think it was a very good night for, for Nugent Hopkins overall. They, they showed a sequence where they were yapping at the bench on a previous shift, and you could kind of see Nugent say, well, you know where to find me next time we're out there. Well, they found each other. Well, Nuge was actually going off the ice, and uh, his name's Vinny, right? Yeah. Vinny cross-checked him, and Nuge turned and like, okay, seriously? Who are you? Eventually, at the end, I mean, uh, when, when we have our talk shows and people talk about who's struggling on the team, it's not like these players don't know the struggles are happening to themselves. Mm -hmm. So frustration seeps in, and here's a game the Oilers were excited about a big game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and coming out of the, the, the nice rest and they had, and guys that who had struggled earlier in the year think, all right, let's wipe the slate clean. we got 20-some games left. Let's, let's get her going in the right direction. And when it doesn't, frustration boils over. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm frustrated. I don't like that guy from earlier in the game. Let's go out and do something maybe to, to change things around for me. So it was good on Nuge. He got his frustration out. Hopefully that'll kickstart him. And he is better in the game against the Arizona Coyotes. Chicago, the far superior team tonight. 5-1 the final. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. We'll start off with Alex this evening. Hi, Alex. Hey, guys. Yeah, I totally agree with what you guys were saying, actually. And that's something I wanted to bring up. The When you look at your, like you know the gameplay tonight and the way that the Oilers played, you're playing against a team that is a proven dynasty at this point. And, you know, people might have said that the Oilers outshot them, Oilers outhit them. 
Um, but at the end of the day, you can totally tell that the momentum wasn't in the Oilers' direction. The Chicago may have had less shots, but this is a team that knows how to convert those chances um, no matter where they are. As soon as the Oilers would try to get the puck out of their own defensive zone, you already have two players. You would have Taves or Panic, somebody in there already pressuring uh, Oilers in their own defensive zone. And it's just... You know, hopefully the more Oilers play teams like this, the more they look at the way they play and they learn from it. Because if Oilers one day want to be like this, we're going to need more out of players like, you know, more pressure out of Dreisaitl or McDavid and those defensive zones and really just chase those players in and make it hard to play against. Because to me, although our record is still good, I don't think Oilers really come off as a team that is hard to play against. Even, you know, the fact that we have bigger size now with Maroon and Cassian um, and, you know, Nurse coming back in a few weeks, hopefully, um, you know, it'd be tougher to play. But at the end of the day, we still got to put more pressure on those teams. Yeah, thanks, Alex. We, we appreciate you calling. I mean, the... I mean, he makes good points. I mean, it, it is a... It was... They they weren't as good tonight. Yeah. And I mean, there's been games where the Oilers, where the Oilers, have played well, where they've played a bigger game, where they were were more physical. There's a game against the Anaheim Ducks where we we said at the end of the game that the the Oilers bullied the Ducks, which we'd never said before. Uh, Todd McClellan talked about it. The fact tonight, the Chicago Blackhawks weren't mad at anyone during the game. They didn't have to be in it. That played into the hands uh, of the Chicago Blackhawks. It was funny uh, during the game. I they give us new sheets here that have the lines of each team yeah. and all the, the stats and stuff. Chicago is not a very big hockey club. You know, up front, they, they're, they've got a lot of guys that are 5'11", 5'10", 6 feet. And then you look at the Oilers. The Oilers are a much bigger, stronger team. they got these all these big 6'3", hulking forwards. But you didn't see that out of them tonight. It was a non-physical hockey game. And if you're going to get into a skilled game against the Chicago Blackhawks, I'm probably going to put my money on the Chicago Blackhawks. They they are three lines deep of guys that can score. Mm-hmm. But Marion Hossa, who is one, to me one of the best two-way players that's played in the National Hockey League over the last decade or so, he's on your third line. So you've got three lines that can score, and if there's no physicality in the game, you're probably not going to win the hockey game. Yeah, and and I think this game too is is reflective of uh, of that the Oilers have taken. I mean, clearly they've taken a step up. They they finished 29th a year ago. I, I still expect it's realistic for them to exceed my preseason prediction of them getting 38 wins and missing the playoffs. I I think they'll finish between probably eighth and 12th overall, depending on how Anaheim does. They'll finish second or third in the division, and then you get into the playoffs, and then it's going to be like, can they figure out? a way to win a game like this? Can, can they figure out a way to be down 2-1 after the first period like they were tonight and then assert themselves as opposed to being the team that gets stepped over? And, I mean, look, the secondary scoring clearly is an issue. I mean, we've been talking that to death for the last week. Uh, well, go, sorry, the, the previous week yeah. before, they had the, before, before they had the week off. Uh, I mean, Eberle now six games without a point. Uh, Nugent, Ho- pardon me, Eberle seven games without a point. Nugent Hopkins six games without a point. Benoit Pouliot, I, I mean, look, I hate to say this. It's it's realistic that Benoit Pouliot does not score again this season. And I, I mean, there's still a third of the season left, but he's already gone 26 games without scoring. So now, um, you know, Bob was talking about Drake Kajula after, after the game. So now, you know, he, he looks a little overmatched sometimes. Uh, I mean, I actually thought Anton Lander had a good game tonight. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying Anton Lander is one of your most noticeable guys, that's not good enough. You know, there are 30 teams in the league, Rob. No team, I don't think, has 12 really good forwards and no. six really good defensemen. Some nights you can win with two-thirds of your roster playing well. And the Oilers have done that yep. some nights. But, but tonight, they didn't have that. And th- that's why you lose by four goals. Well, the, the Chicago Blackhawks, they, their number one line, the Kane line, was, was excellent tonight. And I, I thought the McDavid line was okay, but they weren't as good as the Kane line. Then you got the second line, Jonathan Taves' line was much better than the Nugent Hopkins. That was, that was a mismatch tonight. And it, and it shouldn't, I mean, the Taves line is good, but it shouldn't be a mismatch of what we've seen in the past from Eberle, from Nugent Hopkins. It should be much closer. And there's been games where the Nugent Hopkins line has been very, very good against top-tiered players. And then you go down the Kajula line, they weren't, I mean, part of, I thought, actually, I thought Slepyshev wasn't bad tonight. But Kajula, uh, he didn't notice him a whole lot tonight. And Pouliot, again, really struggled. 
really struggled. And the fourth line's well, if it comes down to whose fourth line's better, well, then something really wrong yeah, happened yeah, yeah, at yeah, the top. It's, it's funny because whenever there's a player, they, they take a guy out of the line, we're going to change the lineup or we're going to send someone to the minors. It's always guys on the fourth line that had no bearing on the game, but the coaches or the GM sending a message. I never like that. But the Oilers need something out of their second line. Your third and fourth line are not going to score every game. They're going to get, you know, it's going to be two, three games in between. They're going to chip in here or there. Yeah. The second line has to be consistent. Yeah. It doesn't have to always score every game, but it's got to be much more consistent than what we've seen, and you're putting an awful lot of pressure on your first line. And the teams that win, the teams that go far, are teams that are two to three lines deep. Right now, the Edmonton Oilers aren't that. Yeah, like we've said, they're four to five players away from pushing into the top six in the NHL. You know, because there, there's just there's just too many nights where they're missing some support for McDavid or another defenseman who can carry the load. By the way, I thought Adam Larson had a good game tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give him the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Rob and I always pick an oiler here. Uh, the only time that we didn't actually was that game they lost 8-1 to Chicago a couple years ago when they were down 6-0 24 minutes into the game. Panic, Darling, and Kane were the uh, three stars selected. But I thought Larson had one of his Larson-type games mm -hmm. negating guys and, and being in good position. But but clearly not enough as Chicago wins 5-1. Okay, we'll go to our uh, – is this Jared on the line? This is Jared. Hey, man, how was your weekend so far? Good, how are you guys? Yeah, we're doing well. Thanks for calling. I just got a comment and then a, a question uh, for Rob. And you know what? Chicago's my, my favorite team next to the Oilers. And year after year as I watch them, I think their defining characteristic of their players is, and I don't, I don't know if this is what they learned from Pat Kane and Jonathan Taves, they just never throw the puck away. They always make a play. They never panic. And they have that ability. Like the gap is closed on them. And they have just that little extra patience to make a play out of nothing. And my question for Rob is, is what do you think Chicago needs to make another run for a Stanley Cup this year? What, the Chicago Blackhawks need? Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty good right now with what they have. Obviously, every team, and it's going to, when you're going to talk, we will eventually, but what the Oilers are going to get at the deadline too. Every team is going to look for uh, some depth up front, preferably a guy that they can put in uh, as a, a third-line guy that probably has a little bit of touch around the net. You're going to always want defensive help because in a, if you're going to go far in the playoffs, their injuries are going to come into play. And you can't all of a sudden have to use some guy that's been in the minors most of the season, but now you've got two injuries on the back end. He's your guy. You've got to have NHL-ready defensemen that can pop in if there's an injury happens. So I'm sure that that's what the, the Blackhawks are going to go for, as well as the Edmonton Oilers. The problem is finding enough of those players to go around. And that's why sometimes teams overpay a little bit too much at the deadline because there's not enough of what everybody needs and everybody needs it. Yeah, that's a good question. I've always like I always say you can never have enough D. Nope. Uh, and, and I mean the Oilers are, are down a couple of defensemen right now, Nurse and Russell who would be playing. Uh, Benning comes back, so Griba comes out of the lineup. So I mean the Oilers kind of have eight nine defensemen yep. that can at least be competent, yep. which is a long way from, from where they've been. Osterley jumps in tonight. I mean, okay, did did fine. Yeah, no, the, the Oilers are, I mean, to me, the Oilers would, I'd love, I mean, the two players, if you look at what you want, you want a Hansel and a Verbata. That's what you'd love to have. Yeah. But I'm sure that every other team that's going to the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to say, yeah, we want a Hansel and a Verbata. Uh, it's just you, got, you want a big centerman that you can play on your third line, it can shut someone down. You got a, a winger that can score score goals. But they're, they're, I looked the other day; they had in the paper all the different players that are unrestricted free agents at season end. There, I mean, there's not as many as you would hope, and the rentals are going to be probably too expensive for some teams, and you don't want to mortgage your future on it. Five-one, Chicago wins tonight. Their head coach is. Joel Quenville, here he is, courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Joel, you six-game road trip and came out with five wins. You feeling pretty good about yourself? Yeah, I like their trip. Uh, you know, it was very positive. Even in the first game in San Jose, I thought we did a lot of good things. But the consistency, and it's probably the best four-line rotation we had in any stretch all year long. And, you know, Johnny's line was dangerous. Kaner uh, and Redman had a special game tonight. Uh, our defense was excellent. Darrell's was great in the net. Uh, 
you know, talk about any of the last five games and the wins, you know, where it's all, all positive, all good uh, situations, whether it's special teams or a big line or you know, blocking shots or doing whatever you can uh, in all situations was uh, was good to see. But we're, we're definitely uh, improving our team game, and, uh, you know, it's tough to win five games in a row on the road. Feel like you want to keep playing? No, it's what it is. I mean, these guys came off of it, and we see them again to come out of it. So it's a, uh, we'll see. I know our guys, you know, they played a lot of hockey, and the guys went to the All-Star game as well. They're, uh, you know, they didn't really get much of a break. So hopefully everybody gets away and comes back uh, refreshed and uh, trying to recapture this feeling we got right now. So far, so far, teams coming out of the break have not done as well in the 500. Is there anything you can do? I know you can't practice, but uh, anything you can do to stem that? No, I think that uh, you know whether the the the, the reward is the down the road or whether it's an immediate. Uh, I still think there's benefits for it, and you know it's tough to measure right off the bat or uh, in just one uh, season. So I, you know, it's, it's tough to forecast. It's kind of like a guy who kind of gets on a on a roll when he scores one. He seems to come to punches a little bit. I thought he had a great game. You know, he was engaged uh, physically. He sustained a lot of pucks on off the wall and. You know, at the net, uh, you know, he's a big body. He's got a tremendous shot. Uh, you know, I just think that uh, he's uh, he's really progressing in his uh, his game. Um, but he can be so so dangerous for us. And he's that uh, you know, he's talked about Bickle being that power forward, and uh, and Pans has a lot of the same similar compliments that uh, Bick has. And uh, you know, I just think that uh, he's improving in that consistency as defensive part of his game. And um, he's making that line. Schmaltzy had an outstanding game with Johnny as well. That line was excellent. Yourself a new enforcer? How do you think he did? So his first fight ever. Uh, first, first ever? Really? Wow. I thought he did all right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I did not know that. Well, even, even when you guys have been winning, the games have been close to the end more often than not. That this game was a... a I guess a blowout or an easier game. What does that tell you about the team, especially at this stage of the road trip in the season? Well, and the you know, every game we've been in, and you're right, all year long is close. It's always uh, it's a one-goal game tied going into the late stages of the game, um, trying to get the, the points uh, before whether well, it's overtime or not. Uh, we've been pretty good. Had a little stretch in January that wasn't. But uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, uh, uh, we're pretty consistent uh, that the game start beginning 10 and it's always on the line and uh, well, it was a rare game that uh, we've had. We've been pounded uh, here last time, got pounded in Washington a few games, but we haven't had the luxury of having uh, a lead like that going into the third period, maybe maybe one other time. Great, that's head coach Joel Quinville. Okay, thanks a lot. Kyle Morris working in the Blackhawks room tonight and the Hawks win it 5-1. They have won five in a row and they go 5-1 and one on a six-game road trip heading into their bye week. Plenty more to come. We have open lines at 780-496-0063. We're looking for somebody to finish the play. We'll hear from Ryan Nugent-Hopkins who gets in a fight tonight, but the Oilers drop it 5-1 to Chicago. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandage Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. By, I believe that was Adam Larson. One-timer came from a sharp angle right corner. That was spun off by Talbot, and the puck floats out of play. All right, save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. Cam Talbot made that stop, but he was beaten four times on 20 shots, pulled after two periods, and Laurent Brassois went the rest of the way. He led in a late goal by Artem Anisimov. Richard Panic scoring twice for Chicago to lead them to victory this evening. Patrick Maroon had Edmonton's only goal. That means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. $25 for every goal throughout the season. Follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Got a text here from Billy Bob who says, what would Rob do to get out of a 26-game goalless slump? How long has he gone without a goal? How did he feel during that kind of slump? Well, first of all, Rob retired 16 years ago, so that's how long he's gone without <laughs> a goal in the NHL. Oh, he beats during your career. Sorry. I, I No, I don't think I was anywhere near that. Um, I know that uh, I came when I came back from the minors, 
I went back to Pittsburgh and I had a long stretch without a goal. And I don't know what it was, probably about 10, 12 games at the beginning of a season. And it's, it sucks at the beginning of the year having a, uh, a goal of um, strout because the stat sheets are in the dressing rooms. And it sucks when you see a zero beside your name. And I remember we were going back home to Edmonton to play. And we played in L.A. the game before Edmonton. And I scored, and I remember the relief because I did not want to go home without a goal on the season. I got the goal that night, and it went over. It, the, the things that you, you do, you, 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 we got a lot of video. So the coaching staff, I'd go talk to them, and they get me a lot of video of, play, of times that I scored, when I was successful, what I was doing. So I watched a lot of that. I would stay out at the end of practice. Uh, Rick Kehoe was the assistant coach in Pittsburgh, 50-goal uh, scorer in the National Hockey League. He and I would stay out after practice and just shoot pucks. Just He would put me in places that I would normally be in a game, whether it be where I would stand on the power play, where I would be in the offensive zone, and we'd shoot over and over and over and over again and just try and feel good about yourself. And I think that's what some of the players, I don't know what they're doing, but that would be my suggestion. Go see when you're successful and practice harder at things that you're not successful at right now. Well, and our adjustment of the game, I think, is going to be the line combinations, not just for the third period tonight, but also looking ahead. That's courtesy of Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. For the third period, McDavid, Lucic, and Eberle. Nugent Hopkins between Pouliot and Cassian. Dreisaitl back at center with Maroon and Slepyshev. And Letestu, Lander, and Kajula. So really three centers together uh, on that line. I mean, McClellan has been quick to change the lines we, we've had some people call in say too quick they felt at times or not quick enough depending on on the the individual fans uh, feelings about line shuffling he insisted on keeping these together last week or, or pardon me again before the bye week because they hadn't had a lot of practice time uh well they practiced yesterday morning skate today and he decides to change it for the third period now with a couple of practices before arizona on tuesday really curious to see how they're going to look yeah i imagine there will be some changes it's tough though when you're when you're looking at what you want to do okay now where are we going to put we're going to put pulley okay here's a guy who hasn't scored 26 goals now where are you going to put him okay lucic has struggled to score five on five okay Everly hasn't had a point in seven games okay nuge isn't playing to where he needs to be playing at so you got all these players uh, that have it's not like the lines that the Oilers have had the last couple of games are where these players have only struggled a lot of players have struggled in a lot of different situations the lines have been switched up a lot over the last month month and a half where some of these players have struggled uh, but when you have what a couple goals in the last 240 or 260 minutes can't remember what Jack had said something has to change I think and Todd was was correct when he said the lines aren't creating as much, but the, the disappointment for him was the power play. Yeah. And I think this team has been, and, and we won't look at tonight's game, but this team over the course of the season has been very good defensively that they can get by and have gotten by with players not putting the puck in the back of the net on a consistent basis five on five, but their power play has bailed them out of games. If their power play plays well, they can win hockey games, and it has not been as good as it had been at the beginning of the season. Uh, there will probably be some changes because things get stale at times. It's a wake-up call. Uh, I don't see the uh, desperation that they've had at certain parts of the season. Sometimes a coach has to change things up to get that desperation back in their hockey game, and I expect that's what you're going to see Tuesday. You're going to see different lines out there and it's a wake-up call to those players. Hey, you want to play with McDavid? We need more out of you. You want to be on the second power play unit? We need more out of you. So I'm sure that things like that are going to happen before the Arizona game starts. Yeah, and, and you look back and say, well, it was 5-1, so, you know, it was a blowout. But again, every game starts 0-0. Every game is close for at least a, a, you know, a certain amount of time. Chicago's up 2-1 in the first period. By far, the first period was the Oilers' best period. Yep. Chicago gets a power play goal to go up 2-1. The Oilers get a power play a few minutes after, and, and they don't score. I, I mean, if you, if you make it 2-2, you reply to their power play goal mm -hmm. with one of your own, maybe it changes. You know, again, I'm what-ifing, but, but still, that was an opportunity to tie the game, and they totally let it slip away. Well, and Jack and Bob were talking at the end of the game about the fact that were you surprised that the, the, the Blackhawks played as well as they did and had as much energy as they did playing their third game in four nights and playing back-to-back -back coming from Winnipeg. And, and I've always noticed that in games that I played, when you are winning or a game is close, as the game further, you've got extra adrenaline. 
if you get a lead on a team, so if I'm my my team's playing three and four, and I played last night, and all of a sudden the team in front just jumped up two nothing on you early in the first period, the legs all of a sudden get a little more tired, the mind gets a little more tired. But if you're in the game, well, all of a sudden you don't feel tired at all, and that's what happened tonight. The Oilers had a number of great chances in the first eight to ten minutes of this hockey game. Pucks that were rolling across the goal line, hitting posts, missing open nets, misfiring on shots that could have gone in the net. If they score on those, then maybe it's a different outcome. But execution is the big part of hockey games. The Chicago Blackhawks executed much better than the Edmonton Oilers did tonight. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll say hello to Joanne. Hey, Joanne. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Um, I was just thinking about uh, some of the different teams, like the Blackhawks or Anaheim or uh, whatever. Some of these teams have players that have been playing together for five years. We don't have that. Do you think we'll get there? I, I think so. I, I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously Everly and Nugent Hopkins are the longest serving members of the team. In the grand scheme of things, they're not that old. I think that Shirelli wants to build around McDavid and Dreisaitl. I think he would like it if Nurse and Larson and Clefbaum were here for a long time. I think he would like Talbot to be here for a long time. And, uh, you, you know, and then I think a lot of other, well, Secker and Lucic obviously have no trade clause. So there's seven, eight, nine guys, and, and that's kind of what Chicago has done. You're right. They have kind of their six guys that have been here through their glory years, if you want and to call it that. The reason they are have been together for a long period of time is they've been successful. When teams are successful, you keep teams together. When teams are unsuccessful, the turnover rate is much higher. The Oilers were unsuccessful for a decade, and that's why the turnover rate has been so high here. Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. The other, thing, the other thing that I wanted to mention was I don't know whether Everly and Nugent Hopkins um, what was their problem is, but do you think they want to be here? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think, think 100% so. they want to be here. Well, they should find out how to move their legs a little better. better. Yeah, they're having down years. There, I mean, there's no other, there's no other way to put it. Uh, and, and, uh, I mean, Pouliot's another guy, uh, I mean, then that's not tonight, but they've been aligned for large portions of this season. And and absolutely, their offensive numbers are, are not what you'd expect. I mean, Eberle's point total in itself is is okay, but I looked it up before the game. He has now had 34 games this season where he has, does not have a point. The 32 points that he does have have come in 22 games. And that's great because those games, I mean, he's had a couple four-point games, three-point games. Um, but he needs to make an impact more consistently. That's been his issue. Well, the, the second line hasn't been where they want it to be. And we, the, 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 the hard thing is, is fans here in Edmonton and, and us in the media, we've seen what Nugent Hopkins is capable of doing. We've seen what Jordan Eberle is, is capable of doing. We've seen them much better than they've proven this year or shown this year. That's why there's the phone calls about and the, the disappointment because they are capable of more. They are, Jordan Eberle is a good hockey player. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a good hockey player. They're just, the production that was expected from those guys hasn't been there yet. I was hoping as I'm sure management, everyone is hoping yeah. that this little break that they had on, and, and this is another thing that when you talk about uh, what do you do when you're in a scoring slump, you, you kind of try to say, okay, today's the day it all starts. I'm going to wipe everything off, the, forget about the first 60 games, I'm going to start today, and then we're just going to look from this day forward, and then it, it looks better, because all of a sudden you score two goals, all right, okay, I'm doing not bad, I got two goals, and I get in the next game, you get an assist, you're like, okay, things are starting to go better for me now. So you try to forget about what's happened and start fresh, and I was hoping this five-day break that the others had, that some of the players who had struggled early in the year would come out refreshed and start anew, and it still could, it still could happen. And you're probably going to see new lines come Tuesday, and maybe that will spark some of these players who haven't had the season that they were expecting to have. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, news and weather update. The Oilers not good enough tonight. They lose 5-1 to the Chicago Blackhawks. We have phone lines available, 780-496-0063. Larry is going to be our next caller. And you'll hear from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 
Trying a shot, that was broken up by Seabrook, and now we've got a fight. And it's gonna be Vinny Hinnestroza lining up against Ryan Nugent Hopkins, land the right hand, and then eight a right hand from Nugent Hopkins. Hinnestroza and Nugent Hopkins trading right hooks. Nugent Hopkins takes another right, lands a right. Another right hand from Hinnestroza, and a couple of uppercuts from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he wrestles him to the ice. Second career NHL fight for Nugent Hopkins. Well, how about that? Nuge trying to get himself going. A late fight against Hinnestroza. Let's hear from the Nuge, courtesy GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. It's just kind of not bearing down on our chances. We're still getting a lot of chances. We're even getting those second, third opportunities. But uh, right now, there's not going in. But, I mean, uh, our group in here knows that we can score. We've shown that all year to this point, so uh, we can't get frustrated with it. We just gotta keep working and look we'll come. Specifically on the power play you now for the last four games. Kind of one of the worst droughts we've had all season long and not creating as much even good chances on the power play. What's kind of gone dry there? Um, well, I don't know if it's just um, we're not winning enough battles or we're not getting in clean enough, but um, I mean, kind of five, or power play kind of feeds the rest of five on five game too. So uh, if we're not scoring, if we're not, uh, Getting momentum for our team on the power plate uh, can translate to five on five. So uh, we all know that we need to be better out there. And just frustration for you, the, the late tilt, what kind of drew that happened? Yeah, it's just a little bit of frustration, I guess, but um, just kind of talked, going back into the zone and uh, just something that happened. Read that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. All right, Brendan Ulrich down in the Oilers' room tonight. The Nuge with a fight. The Oilers only with one goal. Chicago takes it 5-1 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We have Larry at 780-496-0063 who's going to finish the play with us. But first, Larry, give us your thought or your question today. Well, you're going to like that Nuge tossing the mitts like that. That's awesome. Yeah. He, do, you, do you remember who he fought when he fought in Vancouver that one game? No. Two years ago? Well. No idea, man. Dan Hamhuse, back early in <laughs> the season. Right? Back early in the season. He did okay in that one too, for sure. You want to finish All the right. play? Sure, let's go. Okay, you can. Uh, well, you've already won actually an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Uh, park cheap and easy. What am I saying, Ron Brown? Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com, and you can be entered into the grand prize draw for one thousand dollars to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go, Larry. Centering pass, backdoor feed, and what a play defensively on the backside. All right, there's an Oiler defenseman who broke up a play. Was it Adam Larson or Charlie Huddy? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Adam Larson. Centering pass, backdoor feed, and what a play defensively on the backside by, I believe, that was Adam Larson. Well, see, even Jack thought it was Charlie Huddy for a second there. I really wanted, I really wanted Larry to, to get in the grand prize draw. Well, I, I could see that. I was like, remember, the, remember a few games ago, I gave two options and neither one were right. Well, that you <laughs> so, didn't want that guy to win. It was obvious that time. Yeah, I was being mean that time. Good stuff, Larry. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Obviously, no Japanese Village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game. For us to turn that on on the Oilers page or six on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and the north side. Okay. Keep going with the phone calls here. We have Randy standing by. Randy, good to hear from you. Hello? Hey, Randy, go ahead, buddy. Hey, um, so today I was watching on YouTube uh, top 100 players of the NHL. Okay. And one of the players that came across was Yari Curry. And I was just wondering, is there a guy in the league or coming up in the league or even in the team that could be that Yari Curry to McDavid? That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I don't like the direct comparisons myself, Randy, because every generation of players is different. And I, and I don't like necessarily heaping that kind of expectations on a young player. If, if you want to know which young Oilers winger has the best potential to be a really good complement for Connor McDavid, Rob, I think it's Jesse Puglia-Yarve, who we may not see again this year. We'll see. I mean, that's the hope uh, of the Edmontonos. The, the excitement when they were able to draft him, it was a player that uh, was expected to go to Columbus when he didn't. Uh, the Oilers sprinted 
to the podium so they can make sure that the Columbus didn't change their mind. Uh, he, he's, we've seen him at the World Juniors uh, when he played pro in Europe. He's a goal scorer. Uh, he's a right-handed shot. It's exactly what the Oilers need and would, would fit in nicely, hopefully, with Connor McDavid at one point. I don't want to compare him to Yari Curry now because, I mean, this is a kid that's in the minors right now, and Yari Curry is one of the best goal scorers that uh, was ever in the National Hockey League. So, But for a player that the Oilers think will be Connor McDavid's winger in the future, I believe, yeah, I, I agree with you, Reed. It, uh, is they've got him slotted in as Connor's right winger. Now we just have to live up to that potential. Yes, he Puliarve did score tonight for the Bakersfield Condors. He has five goals and 11 points in 14 games, so not bad. But the uh, Condors lost 4-3 to the San Jose Barracuda as we take a look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Busy night in the NHL, 13 games. The Senators shut out the Islanders 3-0. Craig Anderson, first game since December 5th. Obviously, he's been spending time with his wife, who's battling cancer. He gets a 33-save shutout. The Bruins knock off the Canucks 4-3. David Pasternak, it's a good young player there. 25 goals. He had the game winner tonight. Flyers over the Sharks, 2-1 in overtime. Wayne Simmons had the decider. Dallas gets a much-needed victory, 5-2 over Carolina. There's still a couple of games below 500 on the season, though. The Panthers over the Predators, 7-4. Shades of your era, Rob. Well, they've they got Jeremy Jagger, who's so, played in that era, so he knows a little bit about a high-scoring hockey game. The Blue Jackets edge Detroit 2-1. Cam Atkinson having a good year. He gets his 27th of the season. The Lightning beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1. Rob, the, in, in a 3-2 league, the Jets have allowed three or more goals in 15 straight games. You're probably not surprised to hear they're 5-9-1 in those 15 games. It's unbelievable. I mean, I... The, the goaltending situation obviously is something that is uh, killing the Winnipeg Jets because you look at the lineup that they have, you would expect them to be a playoff caliber hockey club, but you don't make the playoffs if you need to score four goals every game to give yourself a chance to win. And it's amazing how far they've fallen from where they were the year that they played Anaheim in the playoffs. You thought, okay, this Winnipeg team, it's a team that's up and coming, and they've just fallen flat this year. And, and we're starting to see some separation in the, in the standings, right? I mean, the Oilers third in their division with 66 points. L.A. is fourth with 60. Nashville has 60 from the other side. So those are the two wildcard teams. Calgary has 59, one point out of the playoffs, and now it's starting to separate. Vancouver and Dallas and Winnipeg all down at 54, so they're already putting themselves in situations where it's going to be uh, tough to catch up. Just rounding out the rest of the scores here, Rob. Sabres beat the Maple Leafs 3-1. They got three goals in the first period there. Blues over the Canadians 4-2. The Rangers beat the Avalanche 4-2. The Avs are 15-35-2 now on the season. I mean, their season started bad when their coach quit before the season started, and it just hasn't gotten any better since. The Capitals blew a lead, but then pulled it out late, 6-4 over Anaheim, and we, we saw the overtime in this game. The Coyotes beat the Penguins 4-3. The only thing resembling a scoring chance Arizona had went in with 22 seconds left from Connor Murphy. And it wasn't a great scoring chance. It wasn't a good goal on Flurry, I believe, was in net for the Penguins tonight. Arizona, we, we are going to see here Tuesday, are playing better hockey. Uh, they're healthier now. The last time that the other saw him, I don't believe Domi was in the lineup. He is a, a player that creates and scores, and the Oilers must play well. They're, you don't go in that and play a you know a half baked team a game against that team and expect to win. They work hard. They've got some timely scoring, and they're getting very good goaltending from Mike Smith right now. All right, we're going to go back to Larry, who was our finish the play winner tonight. But I think we he had another question or a comedy by the way. Sorry about that, Larry. Go ahead, man. Yeah, that's cool. Um, my whole thing with, uh, I watch the games, you know, every game basically, and uh, I've maybe noticed Lucic in four games. You know, this guy's making a lot of money, and you never notice him. Well, I mean, I, Milan has had good games. There's been games that he's been quiet. Uh, I think... We saw a stretch where if you sh saw his body language as he went to the bench or sitting on the bench, he looked frustrated. I think the expectations 
for the team and for him was he was going to be on Connor's McDavid's line uh, with Jordan Eberle. That did not get off to the start that they wanted. Things got changed. Eventually, Milan went and played on a line with Kajula and Slepeshev. And I can guarantee you, in, in his wildest dreams, he never would have expected that. Uh, I think there's a lot of things, and we've we've heard players like Connor McDavid talk about, and 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 Todd McClellan talk about. There's a lot of things that don't happen on the ice that happen in the dressing room that he brings to the team that have made this team better. But there, Milan Lucic, in the the times that we have seen him when he played in Boston or when he played in L.A., has been able to change the complexion of a hockey game uh, just through physicality, just through brute force, and that's what the Oilers need on certain nights. And I'm sure Milan uh, is expecting more than what he's given thus far this year. But I, I still think the sample size is small. And uh, if the Oilers are going to go somewhere, I think Milan Lucic has to be an important part of that. Yeah, yeah but he can do that. He can do that on the third line, though, right? And, yeah, if but you I, have, if you have Pouliot, if you have Pouliot, Nugent Hopkins, and Amberley, before the uh, All Star break. Those three were playing together, and you actually had second line scoring. Well, they were actually they were actually putting out, and they were actually doing something. Yeah, but Pouliot, he's gone twenty six games without a goal. Yeah, but he is still he's still doing better than Lucic. Oh, like when I, I, I watch no. when I watch a game when I watch a game, I notice Pouliot a lot more than Lucic. See, I disagree on that one. I don't think Milan has been as good as uh, he can be, but uh, Benoit Pouliot, I mean. This has been a, a very, very off season for for Benoit Pouliot. Yeah, but you notice him though. Oh, the, I, I watch the games and, and Lucic is going up and down the boards. You don't even notice him. They never even say his name. Uh, well, I mean, I, I you that may that might be your opinion, but I don't think there's a comparison between the two players. I really don't. Wow. I mean, they they need more out of Benoit Pouliot. Yeah, they do. Well, I mean, they need he's a, a guy. More out of Lucic yeah, true, too, but man. look, I mean, look at the stats. Compare Milan versus Maluc. Uh, so Milan Lucic right now has got 30 points on the season. Pouliot's got 10. How much ice time does Lucic get? They, I bet you they're fairly close. Pouliot plays oh, on. He's yeah. been playing on the second line. They yeah, both play so power quickly. plays. Yeah. So I mean, well. it's, it, to me, it's not even close. Yeah, I, but I, 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 I mean, Larry I, Lucic, you need him to do more, and more consistently. Uh, I agree with you there. It's it's. I, I think we're kind of splitting hairs, debating two guys we wish we were getting more of. Lucic plays seventeen twenty five a game. Um, Pouliot has been played fourteen twenty seven. That doesn't count tonight. So three minutes difference and three times as many points for Milan Lucic. But we'll see about Lucic. I mean, so you hope guys are better in year two of the deals, like Sekra, Sekra was. Yeah. So, I mean, we're hoping that's what happens well, hopefully, with Lucic. We're, we're hoping it's, it, it's late first year. Or late, not, or late first yeah, year. Let's late, 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 first. late first year would, would be great. And Well, I, I would not be shocked that you see Milan Lucic and Jordan Eberle playing with Connor McDavid starting Tuesday. And if that's the case... Both players, Lucic and Eberle, they got to get on the sheet. They do. Got to get on the sheet, because I mean, look, we we can realistically talk playoff hopes at this point and and playoff damage, if you want to call it that. If the Oilers play as well, I mean, they like any team, they've had ups and downs. But if but if they play kind of what they've shown now, two thirds of the way through the season, they they couldn't go deep into the playoffs because they wouldn't they wouldn't be deep enough. Unless the wild cards would be Talbot and McDavid. Yes. If McDavid had an incredible 18-point and 10-game run, they could win a round or something, or Talbot stopped everything. But just in terms of overall team play, and this is, again, back to our point of being four or five players away, they're, they're, that's why they're not a contending team right now. Well, and Now, are the, guys, are the guys that can do that on the roster, or do they have to get, get – Lucic isn't going anywhere, or do they have to get rid of some of the guys? Well, they won't be getting any, rid of any of the – Not the during the year. No, no. So this is what they've got for, for this season. The, the one – I believe the playoffs and we talk where the Oilers are sitting right now, it would be a colossal fail if they did not make the playoffs right now. But the one thing they've got in their rearview mirror now is the L.A. Kings, who are six points behind and have a game in hand. And the LA Kings are playing pretty good hockey, and eventually you would think they're going to get their, their all-world goaltender Jonathan Quick back. The Oilers, where they're sitting right now in the division against the Anaheim Ducks, I believe they can give the Anaheim Ducks a good series. 
I really do. I think it's much harder if they have to play either the San Jose Sharks or the Minnesota Wild in the first round. Yeah. So they cannot allow a team like the LA Kings to somehow get past them in the standings. And I saw, I looked the other night, LA and Edmonton have three games remaining. All near the end. All near the end of the season. So in reality, the LA Kings have that opportunity. They have the ability, it's it's in their hands, if they can catch the, the Edmonton Oilers and, and make a run for the one of the spots in the Pacific Division. All right, got to take a timeout. You're going to hear from Richard Panic, who scored twice tonight for the Hawks as they win 5-1. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Richard Panic scores twice as the Blackhawks knock off the Oilers 5-1. Panic's comments for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Make sure like the body do the rest, you know, and uh, just be ready for when we get back. Is it almost that double-edged sword? You'd love the rest. But at the same time, all of a sudden your hockey just uh, seems to be trending in the right direction and going in on a five-game winning streak. What's that? I don't know. Tough to stop the momentum. It's, oh yeah, like yeah. I think like uh, now like every each line you know we have four lines uh, they can score we, they they play uh, the best hockey right now so uh, like I said a uh, few few days coming up so uh, gotta use them uh, in our advantage and uh, be ready when we get back. Seems like as an individual your goals come in spurts. Um, is there something behind that where you score and just get confidence keep going? Spurs? What's that? Uh, like when you score one you score another one right after. Yeah, like obviously like if you get a goal you know like your confidence. Uh, it's a little bit higher than I so uh, just like I I uh, kind of learn in this league like when you when you are hot you just uh, have to like keep doing as long as it goes you know because like if you get a cold streak it can go for a while and uh, that's what happened to me in the beginning of the season and now I think uh, like uh, I, we're playing pretty good with our line so uh, we're keeping the puck of our stick so that's uh, that's why we have success. All right, that's Richard Panic. Two goals tonight. The Blackhawks blast the Oilers 5-1. You can get additional post-game reaction, including comments from Connor McDavid, on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. He's back at 630Ched. Our engineer here at Rogers Place, Troy Bowler. Next Oilers broadcast is Tuesday against Arizona. The face-off show will be at 5.30. The game will start at 7. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.